Now, two weeks ago, we uh, kind of finished off chapter 2. Now, this is what we said. Actually, I didn't say anything. It's the Word of God said it. The Word of God tells us, as you learned two weeks ago, that rules, laws, philosophies, and traditions of man, and all the other laws, even the ones that God gave Moses, according to what Paul the Apostle said in Colossians, even the ones that God gave Moses, watch this, if you observe them, it is powerless. They are powerless to make you righteous. They are powerless to give you confidence in what you need to come in faith to pray and believe in God for miracles, and they are powerless to give you victory. Now, before I get, get started and, 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 and continue, I just want to welcome those who are watching on the internet. I know that it's, uh, you don't feel safe coming, and we are thankful that you're trying to connect with us through the internet, and I'm so grateful that you are joining us. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will minister to you as much when you're at home, and that his presence will surround you, he'll love on you, and I pray that you'll feel safe and you'll have peace in your heart. Um, and let's go actually get started in prayer first, and then I'm going to continue. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will speak to every single one of us. I pray that the word that is spoken is not man's words. I pray to use this mouth of clay to express your heart, to change our mind, our thinking, and our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. So if religion, if, uh, sorry, if philosophies, laws, rules, and regulations uh, of man, of religion, are not going to help you and I to have victory, to become righteous, to overcome sin, what then? What is it that is out there for us so that we can live in victory? Some people will say, well, okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. So whatever, you know, if we sin, it's okay, we have the blood of Jesus. If we struggle, it's okay, we have the blood of Jesus. This having this laissez-faire attitude about everything that is promised by the Word of God. You see, God did not save you, redeem you, and gave His Spirit to you so that you can live in defeat. God did not redeem you with His blood so that you can continue to struggle in your sin. Struggle in sickness, struggle in diseases, struggle in your finances. He redeemed you and I so that we can become the manifestation of His glory. Now, if you remember in Exodus chapter 33, Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. Then God said, no, you can't because if you see me, you will surely die. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk by. I'm going to let my goodness pass before you while hiding your face. What God was saying to Moses is that his glory is also manifested through his goodness. Everybody say goodness. Now, you and I need to manifest the goodness of God in our lives. You see, words are cheap. We can go and evangelize, which we do. You can talk about the gospel, which we do, to other people to evangelize, invite them to the kingdom of God, invite them, uh, you know, to, to salvation. But more importantly is that we need to manifest the goodness of God. 
But I know many believers have been trying and trying and trying to manifest the goodness of God by being a really good law-abiding, law-observing, rule-observing Christians. And yet, they see their lives as powerless as the world. The only thing they get to brag about is being pious and being religious, which is really nothing to brag about because it's powerless. It just gives you reason to be proud. And look down on people and judge people. Who wants that? So again, with, with, if it's not the law, if it's not observing laws and rules and traditions of religion and men, what then do we do to live in that victory? Now, we're going to learn about some of the things that Paul is going to teach in chapter 3. And he's going to teach us about some of the principles how you can live in victory. But watch this. Before I show you what he's going to say, he's going to show us today, you need to understand very clearly in your mind the differences between spiritual principles and law, the differences between observing laws, rules, and traditions, and practicing spiritual discipline. There's a huge difference. You say it's just some nuance. It's not nuance. <laughs> Understanding the both and practicing truly what God has told you to do can mean a world of difference. Either you will continue to live in defeats or that you're going to see victories in your life. Now, how many want to see victory in your life? All right. The people that don't care, I don't care about victory. But God wants to see, have you live in tremendous victory. Now, so I'm going to show you the difference in the next little while before I get started with Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. The difference between observing laws, rules, and regulations, and being religious, and having a spiritual discipline. Because I know that you are going to find yourself living in great victories. As I go through the points in the next few minutes, you need to ask yourself this question. Have I been observing laws that are powerless? Have I been being really good religious you know, person? All I can talk about and brag about is my religiosity. That's it. There's no power in my life. Or am I truly observing the spiritual principles that is given to me for me to exercise? Because some of you probably are sitting here today, you are now completely uh, disillusioned, or you've given up on the idea that God can ever do any miracles in your life, and all the teachings in the Bibles are just for somebody else. And as far as you are concerned, God is not interested in doing miracles. Therefore, the big famous people. Ask yourself this question as I go through it. And if you find yourself being religious, today is the day to change. So, these are the people who are religious that are observing laws, rules, and traditions. If you're the person observing law, rules, and tradition, what happens is that you always try to please, appease, or impress a God, a person, an institution, or a group of people. 
So you do what you do in your mind so that God can be pleased with you. You can appease his wrath and anger so that he could bless you. So ask yourself this question. Have you been trying to do whatever you're doing, trying to appease God, try to please God, try to please man, try to impress people, try to impress God so that you can have some kind of blessings from heaven and God will see it that you are so faithful in pleasing him and appeasing him that he will bless you. Have you been an individual doing all that you do because you're trying to be a law-abiding or rules-abiding Christians? If you are, then you will probably can attest to the fact that all this powerful stuff that is promised by the Bible had not worked for you. I can almost guarantee you that it won't work for you. The second characteristics of those people who observe rules and laws or being religious are the ones that have a sense of entitlement. So they feel like if they do whatever they need to do, God is obligated to bless them. So whatever, whenever they pray... If their prayers are not answered, they get mad at God. In fact, they get so mad at God, some of them have left their faith. You and I have both heard stories about people trying really hard to pray for miracles and healings and, and for people, you know, and they just can't seem to have an answer, and, and so it didn't happen, and then eventually they basically left their faith. All together, left church, left their faith, denounced God. Why? Because they were religious. They were practicing religion, and therefore they had this sense of entitlement that God is obligated to do something for them. You know, there are two groups of people in this world. One group of people is that they will keep doing things even though it doesn't work. Psychologists will call them insane. Keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. But I know you're the smarter ones here. That's why you come to this church, glory to God. If it doesn't work, you ought to ask yourself this question. Right? If you're Christians and you pray and it doesn't work, you need to ask yourself this question. Why doesn't it work? Whatever you've been observing and exercising and it doesn't work, you need to understand why it doesn't work. Don't keep just going on and on and on and not ask questions. On the other hand, don't feel entitled either. Then you are religious and you won't see your prayer answer. Now, if you're one of those who observe laws, rules, and tradition, you will be the one that you find yourself doing the minimum. I'll just come to church once a week. I think that's enough. Just do the minimum. Why? Because you have no revelation yet on the spiritual concepts that is being outlined in the Bible. And for you, they're just laws and rules. So because they're laws and rules, you do the minimum. 
that you think is required. Like for tithing, you know, you're making $300, 300, $315.49 for that week. And so what you do is you tithe $31.55 on the dot. That's the minimum. Friends, if you're one of those individuals, God bless you, plus stop doing that. Don't worry about it then. You haven't got the idea of the principles that is outlined, and you're just observing law. It is powerless. It does nothing for you. Exercise spiritual principles and spiritual disciplines are different because you know it's the truth. What you're trying to do is not trying to impress anybody. What you're trying to do is apply the truth, the principle in your life so that it will work. Let me give you an example. You know, a lot of people that really like to eat, I'm one of them. My wife has accused me of being, an ad- of being addicted to food, and I, that is true. You know, I was driving up to college this week, this week, you know, Huntsville, we were driving up to Huntsville. And uh, prior to driving up to Huntsville, me and my daughter went and, you know, bought lots of snacks. We love to snack. And she is a snack princess. I'm a snack king, you know. <laughs> and so I noticed that myself, I, going up to the cottage, it took about two and a half hours to drive. From the moment I left home to the time we reached that place, my mouth never stopped moving and eating. (laughs) On our way back, it's the same thing. I just can't help myself. Now, let's say if you really love food, and that the doctor says you need to cool down a little bit on your food, because your sugar level is way too high and you're diabetic. And what you do is basically you have some self-disciplines. You started to go work out, you know, trying to burn those sugars and you eat less, of course. Now, are you doing it to impress God, to impress someone, or that you're just applying some principles in your life because you want to live longer? You go and exercise you know, some, of, some people are overweight, and they love all the greasy fried food. <laughs> Me, hallelujah, Shandai. Yesterday, we had a meat fest. Oh. We had so much meat, I think according to some dietitian, it would have been enough for the rest of the century. It was so much food. Praise the Lord. But you know, sometimes... If you have certain health issues, you're not supposed to eat so much meat. But they're so good. They're so good. Especially those meat that wrap around with bacons and blue cheese. And I'm just salivating, even talking about it. But anyways, but if I'm overweight and have a heart issue, I will limit myself. I will do salad, eating rabbit food all the time. So that what? To impress people? No. It's this principle I want to apply so that I can live longer and I wouldn't have a heart attack and high blood pressure. Now let's turn it around in spiritual principles and see if we can understand this. 
You know, spiritual principle, for example, in tithing. Some people do it, like I say, to the very last cent because it's a lot of them. They don't understand it's a spiritual principle. You know, this thing about tithing and even giving generously, it doesn't only apply to people who are believers. It applies to whoever. Do you know that I'm 52 years old? I've met many wealthy people. I want to tell you this. Most of the wealthy people I've met, they're one of the most generous people on planet Earth. Some of you are sitting there going, well, if I'm as wealthy as them, of course I'll be as generous. Perhaps you got it the other way around. Maybe they are wealthy because they had been generous. In fact, I shouldn't even say maybe. I will tell you that as a fact is that wealthy people are wealthy for the most part because they are generous. You know, the Word of God in Ecclesiastes says this, Cast your bread upon the water, in many days it shall come back to you. A lot of preachers preach about that, but they forgot about the next verse to help people understand what it means. It means to give a seven portion, even eighth portion. Why? Because disaster is looming. What he's talking about is that if you know there's disaster coming, you better be generous because God can help you. Or Actually, sorry, the principle that, that, that the spiritual principle has been established in the Word of God says that if you are generous you will be covered and provided for. How about gathering? You know, a lot of people come to church once a week or at least once a month. You know, some people, I could hear them say, you know, in fact, they would tell me that, you know, and uh, they'll say, you know, I better come to church because Pastor Paul is going to notice I'm not going to be in church. And he does. No, not, no not, not, not true. I wouldn't even bother you, right? Now, why do these people do that? Because they're trying to do the minimum. They're trying to impress somebody. Some people come into church to impress God. If I go to church once a week, God is going to be so pleased with me. Let me tell you this. He is already very pleased with you. He loves you. He had blessed you. He died for you. The Bible says even when you were his enemies, he died for you. That's how much he loved you. There's nothing you can do to have him love you more. So why do we come here? Well, I'll tell you why I come here. I come here because there is this atmosphere, the dynamics that you can get watching it on YouTube. I'm blessed God for those who are watching YouTube. I know you're concerned, but don't feel guilty or judge whatever. This is not to, 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 uh, to, to make you feel bad, but there is, you all agree, and that's why you're all here, is that there is this dynamic, spiritual dynamic that when you're in the house of God, you worship and even listening to sermon, there's something different. And that you are attracted to it. And you know, if you've been in this church long enough, you've heard me say that, you know, you don't even have to come to church, and yet here you are. The risks of COVID-19. Wow. Why? Because you've dis- you're not trying to please people. You've discovered the secret and the joy of the camaraderie of believers, the joy of fellowship, the joy of of being in the presence of God with other believers, the joy of worship together, the joy of being together. And you also know that isolation is not good for you or even your mental health. Psychologists will tell you, and they just did a study, is that if you are isolated, you will lose 30 points of your IQ. So not only you get more sad, you get dumber when you get isolated. It's the truth. We are social creature. 
We need connection. Now, I'm not advocating not practicing social distancing. I really, you know, I'm observing who is and who is not. I think most all of you are, praise God. I want to encourage that. But I will not allow this to stop me from enjoying the best that God has for me in terms of fellowship with one another. And that's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. It's not a law. It's like the same thing as prayer. Oh, I better put in half an hour of prayer because, you know, God will, be, will not be pleased. He'll be angry. He won't bless me. Nonsense. He will bless you even if you don't pray. Ooh. It is true. You know why I pray? It's spiritual discipline. Because there's benefits. So when I pray in, in the spirit, pray in tongues, I feel power. I feel faith arising in me. I feel pumped up, charged up. You know why I worship? Because I love the presence of God. Man, I tell you, every time when I worship God, you know, I just, I just find such a joy. You don't have to force me. Because if somebody had to force me, I won't do it. It's nothing. It's powerless. It's religious. It's just rule observing. It does nothing for you. That's the difference between spiritual discipline and observing laws and rules, traditions, and philosophies. Hang on a second. Now, watch this. When you are observing laws, you are actually waiting for God to do something for you. But if you are the person who understands the spirit or the workings in the spirit, you are exercising spiritual principles by taking advantage of all that has been given to you. That would be his Holy Spirit, his blood, his righteousness, his gifts, his promises. You use all those tools that you've given you, and you're going to apply that over your lives to see results. You're not waiting for God to do it for you because he has already given all that he needs to give to you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that he's given you all spiritual blessing. There's nothing else to give, nothing. So if you've been waiting from heaven to do something for you, I feel sorry for you because nothing is going to happen. That's why many people still, you know, sick, still broke, you know, they claim all the word of God, you know, they're observing. You know, I remember uh, uh, one time I was um, called to the hospital because one of the pastors in the city, um, in Brampton actually, had a stroke and was declared clinically dead. And so I happened to be a guest speaker in one of the churches in the city, and and uh, there was somebody that was visiting that heard me, and so they kind of contacted the church. And so, I mean, I was invited to, you know, because I said, I believe in raising the dead. I do. And so, anyways, they contacted the church, and, you know, and then they said, you know, this, this pastor is clinically dead. You know, could you come and, and pray for him? And, and I said, I only do it under one condition. I can videotape it. They said, well, the hospital wouldn't allow you. But anyways, we went. We hide it in the plastic bag, you know, or the garbage the garbage bag, you know, we snuck the camera into the ICU. Anyway, so when I walked into his room, the people who loved him, they were so religious. They would have like Kenneth Copeland teaching running, and they have all this Word of Faith magazine lined up as if they'll do anything, and have candles. 
I said, what are you, what are you doing? He said, these people don't understand. They're trying to set up a place where God is going to be pleased and that he'd come down and do something when the Bible said he had given you the authority. Everybody say, God has given me the authority. So you can pray and holler and beg and do all kinds of ritual and rigmarole. Nothing is going to happen unless you understand the spiritual principles and exercise it over your life. Can I hear an amen? And so I want to encourage you. If you have been hearing this sermon and you feel like you've been observing rules and you've been religious, today's the day to turn it around because the loving Father in heaven has given everything that you need to have to become prosperous, to live in a godly life according to 1 Peter. He has given you everything you need. There's nothing else to give. So what I do when I pray? You worship. You intercede, you pray in the Spirit, become an intercessor, walk in the Spirit. Because all that's been given has been given, or needs to be given has been given. So what Paul is going to tell us today is not some news or some new laws, some new rules that we must observe to impress or appease God, but principles in practice use amazing benefits and results in your life. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. It goes, if you have been raised with Christ, and you have been. For those of us who are born again, you have been raised with Christ. The principle you want to abide by, not laws or rules, is to seek the things that are above. How? Verse 2, set your minds on the things that are above. So we're to seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and that we are set our minds on those things that are above, not on the things on earth. And in chapter 2, he made it very clear that religious observation of laws and rules are as carnal as adultery. Wow. But we ought to seek the things above. What is it? The promises of God, the beauty of God. Think about those things. They're great. But you know what influence what you think? What, do you know what influences your mind, in other words? Set your minds on the things above. It's what you see and what you hear. You know, if you see enough, and hear enough, even if it's a lie, you will believe it's the truth. I kid you not. That's why media is very powerful. You know, they have the agenda, the, 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 the worldly agenda that has been on display since, this, you know, since the beginning of the media. How they have driven the moral standard of our societies from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and now continuously with the agenda and how they've driven it through shows that you love to watch. They have this subtle suggestion, like friends, you know, they're so funny, I used to watch it. But you know, I, think, I, was, thinking about, I was thinking to myself, I get influenced by them, even though I know they were false, but watching enough, 
will cause you to believe in the lie they're trying to perpetuate. I'll give you an example here. It's not necessarily a lie. When I was younger, I liked to, you know, well, watching TV, you know, there was the only means to watch TV, but we cut the cord and, you know, TV has zero influence on my life now. But, you know, but in the old days, you watch TV, you have to watch commercial. And there was this commercial that by Irish Spring. You know, how many of you remember Irish Spring? Are they probably still around? I haven't watched TV, so I don't know if they still have commercial. You know, um, uh, it's, it's, I can't even remember the song. I was watching, you know, it didn't do anything to me. I still use whatever soap that my mom had, you know, like she had, I don't know, oil volet or whatever, some kind of girly soap or whatever. So I was, I was just, I just didn't think much about it. And one day I was shopping because I got my own apartment, I was shopping for things myself. And all of a sudden, I had this desire to buy Irish Spring soap. <laughs> Why Irish Spring, I don't know. And I feel fresh after I use it. Well, some people ask, is it true? It may not even be true, but I was convinced it's true because I've seen it enough. Marketeers will tell you that if they keep bombarding you enough times of whatever they want to bombard you, you will eventually believe it's true and that you will shape your thinking and your mind accordingly and therefore your life. You know, if you turn on the news today, it's all bad news. And because it's all bad news, eventually your mind will become shaped your, your, your mind will be shaped with bad news, and therefore you will notice that you become more depressed and discouraged. I want to encourage you to try this out this week. Read no news at all for one week. I guarantee you, you'll be a lot happier after that. You say, I need to be informed. Really? You know, we read news most of the time. I'll confess it for myself. It's for entertainment purposes. But I find it so depressing. I used to read news because of Donald Trump. <laughs> it's so interesting. But you know, these days, there's so much hyperboles and so much, it's such extreme. It just depresses you. I want to encourage you, you know, stay away from all the news, COVID-19, whatever. I know your mind will be shaped accordingly and that you'll find yourself having more joy, especially if you set your minds to the things above. You know, last night I was um, watching YouTube. Um, how many of you remember Carmen, the singer? Some of you are older, eh? you age yourself, right? You date yourself, Carmen. And he was really famous in the 80s and the 90s, and we just love, I just love his music. And so they have all this old video on YouTube. And I was just watching it, you know, and he had this, uh, this video called The Witch's Invitation, you know. Some of you heard that before and how he, he, confronted, or the, he confronted the witch that challenged the power of God. And then I felt so good after watching it. It makes a difference. The Bible says set your minds on the things above, meaning you need to allow your eyes, your ears to be exposed only to the things above. Go hear and watch things about the miracles of God, the goodness of God, 
the blessings of God. Just expose yourself with the, with the incredible, amazing promises of the Father. You know, there's so many things out there. You choose what shapes your thinking. In other words, you choose what, where you set your mind on. The Bible says you want to live in victory, you set your minds on things above. Don't be surprised to live in defeats if you continue to expose your mind, expose your eyes, expose your thinking to the things of the world. It's a natural principle. It's not religious. It's not trying to appease God or appease Him. It's how you can live in victory. Now, because of time, and we have a baptism coming up, I'm going to stop here. We're going to continue on the different spiritual principles next week that you can live and abide by to see yourself living in tremendous victory.